On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman. Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys in women's bodies? We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we're chatting with New York Times bestselling author Sarah Pierce. Sarah grew up in Devon, England, and studied English literature and creative writing at the University of Warwick before completing a postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism. Her debut novel, The Sanatorium, was a Reese Book Club pick, an instant bestseller according to both the New York Times and the Sunday Times, where it hit number one. Her second novel, The Retreat, is out now. Very exciting. So much to talk about. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Corinne. So like I said, we have a lot to discuss. But first, tell our listeners a little bit about The Retreat. So The Retreat is a thriller. Um, And I think probably I should say, if you've read The Sanatorium, the story continues, but it definitely can be read as a standalone. I was thinking that too, but I didn't want to speak for you. So yeah, you can read them (laughs) out of order. Yeah, you definitely can. I've actually had a few kind of early readers saying they hadn't read The Sanatorium, but kind of read this one and could go back to it. So yeah, that's absolutely fine. And yeah, we kind of, we follow Ellen, who's a British detective, to a remote island off the South Devon coast where a luxe wellness retreat has been built. Think kind of yoga, paddle boarding, every kind of wellness activity that's on offer Um, but things kind of take a little bit of a dark turn at the retreat when a woman's body is found on the rocks below the yoga pavilion when it's up to Ellen to investigate there's a few kind of personal links to the island for Ellen because her boyfriend Will actually is an architect and designed the retreat and the island itself has a bit of a creepy past we have it was once home to a serial killer and a sort of boys boarding school so um yeah lots to unpick <laughs> yes lots so as you've already said ellen is back the protagonist from the sanatorium which we were very happy about in both books ellen is diligent strategic resourceful strong but she also has doubts and fears and anxiety like everyone does. So in the retreat, she's in a very different place than where we met her in the sanatorium. Can you tell us a a little bit about the Ellen we're, we're seeing on the retreat? Yeah, so in the sanatorium, Ellen was very much in a different place there. She was kind of on a career break, dealing with issues sort of both personally and professionally. But in the retreat, she's come back to work. This is sort of the first case for her. And while she's sort of still struggling with these issues, we see her trying to get on top of them. And I think the sort of strength she exhibited, particularly towards the end of the sanatorium, we see in full force. She also has a partner in this book, Steed, which is slightly different as well. So yeah, she's at a different place in her journey. And I think we kind of see that evolve through the two books. Yes. And she is a complicated woman, as we like to say, (laughs) three-dimensional character. And I love that because also one of the myths I'm interested in exploring is that if you are a complete human being, you don't need anyone else. But all humans crave love and connection and partnership. And for me, I really loved Will and Ellen right off the bat in the sanatorium. Can I read a little bit from that one? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, there was just little moments, she says about Will, to him nothing's insurmountable there's no bravado in it and it's just how his mind works 
rapidly breaking down an issue into logical, manageable chunks. A list, some research, a phone call or two, answers found, problems solved. For her, even easy, everyday things become something to be agonized over until they swell out of proportion. Now that's the sanatorium, Ellen, but still, she says, somehow, though, their differences complement each other. Will accepts her and her foibles, and Ellen is acutely aware that not everyone would. She's grateful. <laughs> I, that's how, I mean, I think that's how I feel about my husband. He accepts <laughs> yeah. me, I accept him, and it's not, we're not for everyone. <laughs> so I love that dynamic. Now, I was a little bit more skeptical of Will in the retreat. He's, uh, yes. and my, my reasons are, are obvious, uh, I think, right when you start reading it. But talk to us a little bit about Will and Ellen's dynamic in the retreat. What's going on there? Yeah, I think with Will and Ellen, I think for Ellen, Will has always been that stability. And I think it's really nice you kind of read out that passage. I think for Ellen's life, and obviously for those that have kind of read the sanatorium, it's not a spoiler, her younger brother died when they were children. And yeah, Will has been sort of that emotional rock for her. And I think when she's been going through, through lots of issues, both personally and professionally, Will has been that one constant. And I think we kind of see in the retreat that kind of constant waver a little bit. And I think it kind of makes Ellen think about how much she's relied on him versus herself. Yeah. And I think it sort of extends that personal journey a little bit more. Perhaps she's been relying on Will too much. Yeah. And I, I think you said it has a destabilizing effect on her. And the question is, how will she take that? How will she process that? Which I think is... Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all have that person, as you said, kind of perhaps with your husband. I think we all have those people in our lives who are there and we rely on. And if they're no longer there or it's kind of taken away, it kind of makes us question ourselves as well as that person. Yeah. And I think we see that for Ellen. That's a big thing. And I think definitely in book three, we're going to see her sort of processing the sort of loss of the person she thought and the relationship she thought they had. Yeah. That happens with any relationship if both people are allowed to grow, too. You're drawn together for a certain reason, and then sometimes people change, and the question is, can you leave a little space for that while still getting what you need from that partnership and that relationship? Oh, I love those dynamics, so... Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I think Ellen is kind of, perhaps she can be quite a harsh critic of people. And I think that's something Will calls out and people call out, you can be like quite a harsh judge of character. And I think with her and with Will, she obviously loves him, but she's found out things. I won't go into any more to give any spoilers away, but she's found out things. And I think she has to learn just because somebody does one thing, that doesn't mean they're out of her life and she can't kind of process that. And as you say, let the relationship grow and flourish without, with those sort of issues bubbling away. So in addition to Ellen's arc, this second novel centers around a family reunion, which includes three sisters. And in the sanatorium, as you've already mentioned, we talk about Ellen's brother, Isaac, and then we learn about their brother, Sam. I am very obsessed with sibling dynamics and how oldest children can be kind of very over-involved and meddlesome, how younger children can be competitive, and how family dynamics can often mimic aspects of our romantic relationships unintentionally. It's just how you work out love and where you you learned it. So I just think siblings are very weird and generally unexplored and (laughs) fascinating. Do you have siblings? Are you intrigued by them as as I am? Yeah, I am. I have two sisters and thankfully I have to put in a caveat, they aren't anything like the characters in the book before they read the book and go, ah! Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I do have have two sisters. My my husband has a brother and obviously within our family have quite a large extended family. And yeah, I'm fascinated by the idea that you grow up in a house with these people. You literally share kind of every sort of close confined thing that you could imagine with someone physically, mentally. 
And then you obviously leave home and you kind of go about these different lives. And one of the questions I probably keep coming back to in my fiction is how ever do you kind of really know the people you think are closest to you? And I think the sort of geographical differences and no longer being in those close confines kind of, yeah, do you think, did you ever really know them that well? Do you ever know what's going on inside someone's mind? Or is it that almost superficial nature, a bit like when you're at college or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're sharing those sort of close geography with each other. So yeah, it's something that's endlessly fascinating to me. And I love sort of witnessing how things play out as people kind of grow and develop and rivalry, jealousies, oh, all that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, Sarah, I was reading this as Corinne knows, and you saw on my social media, our social media, that I was reading this at a fam- I was with my family, literally living this family sibling <laughs> dynamic on a rather, you know, it was Ireland, but it not was... Not the exact family dynamic, no, just to not be clear, the- that happens <laughs> in the retreat. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. Which <laughs> I said jokingly, I hope art is not imitating life, but it was just, I really felt like I was living exactly the some of the themes that you're talking about, which is how well do you know people or, you know, Corinne and I have talked about this, just how your family sees you one way and you can't get out of that role or who you are in the family. And it's, it was just never made more clear to me than last week. So... Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think one of the things with Hannah, and it's the kind of thing I'm fascinated by, I think within families, like you say, you everyone has their set role. And I think with Hannah, she's very much the peacemaker. People kind of don't dig into her character too much. She's that steadfast person. They kind of see her as this teacher. They've positioned her as this one way. And yeah, I think in the book, you see almost like a quiet rebellion. There's a frustration bubbling. And I don't feel because she's not the kind of loud one, she's not the one who voices her opinion. She really struggles to bring that out. But yeah, eventually she does. I won't say any more, but kind of with explosive consequences. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Right. So the sisters also represent new characters, but also a different sort of narrative structure. So the story unfolds from the point of view of the Mm. guests at this family reunion. And the events are more intertwined than the sanatorium where we only got, you know, isolated snippets of Adele and Jeremy. So we love when authors remain true to who they are, but aren't afraid to sort of grow and try new things. Obviously, no one wants to read the same book over and over. I'm sure you don't want to write it either. So (laughs) exactly. um, Were you going (laughs) for something different specifically? Or is this just how this particular story revealed itself to you? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. I think it's sort of an element of both. I think you kind of summed it up really nicely when you said, kind of as a reader and as an author, you don't want to write the same story twice. So I I had the idea for this island and sort of the retreat, but I just wanted to find a sort of new way of telling it. And I do, I personally love stories that are intertwined and you kind of, the threads are there, but it's only as you read on, did you see how the sort of seeds were placed and things come together? And I think I just really wanted to write from a different point of view. I think Ellen as a character is quite an intense character. And I think in the sanatorium, we got a deep dive into that, but I almost wondered whether it would be too much over the course of the book. And yeah, I think as an author, you do just want to explore. It's really fun to kind of be inside someone else's head and explore that different point of view. And I'm going to be experimenting again a little bit in book three. So yeah, it's it's a, a fresh challenge. And I hope it's sort of fresh for the reader as well. Absolutely. Yes. And not only did you let Ellen really grow in the sanatorium and then we meet her in a new place in the retreat, as you're saying, there is more to dig into. There's more story here to explore. And I think it worked wonderfully. So we're going to come back to the retreat, but I also want to talk to you a little bit about your writing journey. You said you knew you wanted to be a writer from a young age. And let me know if I'm miscategorizing this, but you wanted to be a writer from a young age, but you started to seriously explore it writing for publication when your daughter was born. Is that accurate? And and how that seems like a yeah. crazy time to pick it up. 
<laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I kind of always wanted to write. From a kid, I was one of those voracious readers with sort of um, a huge stack of books from the library every week and kind of begging my mum if I could like have more on her card. So yeah, I always wanted to be an author. And at college, I studied English and creative writing. But I think probably in my early 20s, I don't think I had so much to say. And I think that was one of the things my tutor sort of said to me. He said, you write really well, but he said, not everybody wants to start writing early. If you don't, don't panic in a way, if you don't have that book in you immediately and for me it was definitely true it was my experiences traveling and working that kind of really fed into my debut the sanatorium and yeah I think when I was on maternity leave it sounds really strange I was working in quite sort of a, a fast-paced job in PR and it was only when I sort of had my daughter um, and she was napping don't get me wrong those first months I did nothing when she was feeding all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing at all but yeah when she was napping I kind of had that time back for me and I think when you're working in a normal job I was working in kind of a, a corporate organization by the end of the day the last thing I felt like doing was being creative I was exhausted sort of physically and mentally but when I had my daughter those sort of nap times I very much sort of wanted to carve out a little bit of headspace for me again I was missing that sort of intellectual challenge mm. and yeah that's when I started writing yeah um and yeah, sort of the idea for the sanatorium sort of came quite sort of quickly after that. So, yeah. You know, I had a similar experience. I started writing when I had my daughter. And you're right. It is interesting. I wanted that intellectual challenge. I didn't have it. And I had a little bit more just bandwidth. Not, you know, there was a lot going on, but not so much as a full day of work. For me, it was also very existential. I was like, who am I? What am I doing? Or, you know, now I have kids and this is, you know, when am I going to start my life? Because it was always a dream of mine to, to write as well. So I picked it up at that time too. But yeah, no, what you said about the kind of existential thing, I know exactly what you mean. You kind of reassess. I think having a baby is like almost like a refresh on your life, isn't it? You kind of are forced to look and think, where do I want to go from here? So for me, it was sort of a now or never moment, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 I had that. And you said your tutor said, you know, don't worry if you don't have the story in you yet. So when the story did come, it obviously came as like a crime thriller. So did you always know you wanted to write crime th thrillers or did this, is it more along the lines of what he said that this story just came to you and that was the form it was? Yeah, it's kind of a bit more of the latter, actually. I always loved reading thrillers in the sense that I love reading everything. So all genre, but I think thrillers are something that I'll read. They're not mood dependent. I can be a mood reader. Certain times there's books that require, you know, a lot more concentration. I just can't read during the pandemic. I, you know, I couldn't read anything that required too much kind of sitting and thinking. And for me, some of the faster paced thrillers are just something I just love. I can read them whenever. But yeah, the idea for the sanatorium, when I'd sort of read this article and I'd had an idea about sort of writing a book set in the mountains, I love sort of books that are very sort of atmospheric in setting. So I always had the idea that I wanted to set, have a book set in the mountains, but it was an article I read in like a local magazine that had the most amazing photograph for sanatorium that just captured me. And yet it very much lends itself to the thriller. And I've had Ellen kind of percolating away as a character, but I didn't have her as a detective. And yeah, I had this idea of this detective who was on a break on vacation at this place and what would happen. And yeah, the story kind of almost rose itself from there. It was a lovely moment. <laughs> yeah, that that is a wonderful moment. So as you're talking about, the, the sanatorium was selected as a Reese Book Club pick, which is a wonderful but shocking life-changing event we for any author and we've spoken to quite a few people and everyone is overjoyed but it can be a lot of pressure or it can be gasoline on a fire of inspiration I maybe it depends where you are in writing your next thing 
um, because I think that the ones that <laughs> only had the first book, they're like, oh, God, ne- what's next? And the pressure of that. Where did you fall on that spectrum? Yeah, it was kind of, that's such a good question, actually. No one's ever asked, actually, about how that kind of felt from that moment on, because you're right, as a debut, it's kind of just enormous. I mean, I was set to do sort of, you know, normal publicity that I was sort of lined <laughs> up with, every, you know, with my publicist. And then Reese hit, and yeah, it was just a completely different world. So it was hugely exciting, but yeah, kind of a pressure in a different way. But I think for the next book, I'd kind of had in mind that book and was sort of already in the process of writing it. So I think that probably helped. I was on a sort of a year deadline for the second novel and sort of halfway through when I got the news. So that definitely helped. So it didn't really affect the next book, but it definitely did just in terms of my life. I was never, have never been so busy. (sighs) I had six months of just nonstop yeah, doing stuff and publicity. But yeah, it was the biggest thrill. What she does for authors, particularly debuts, is is unbelievable, really. I reached a whole new audience, genuinely, yeah. not just in the US, but kind of globally. And I just, yeah, to have that power where her recommendation sort of means hundreds of thousands of people go out and buy is the biggest gift she could give someone. And, it yeah. is. <laughs> it is. And she, I mean, she's earned it, obviously, through who she is, but also she picks great yeah. books. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And in a way, we talked about this a little, your path to publishing the sanatorium seems from the outside, you know, relatively straightforward and easy. We know nothing's ever easy, though. And it took a lot of time and figuring out as you you said but you also said it sort of once you had it it sort of wrote itself so did you feel like while you were writing it you always sort of knew what you were doing once that clicked then from that point on yeah I, I must I'll backtrack a little bit just in terms of when you said about the kind of being I had like one novel I'd started and didn't work I had lots of short stories and that kind of thing so it's definitely sort of lots building up to that point but yeah with the sanatorium I don't know I'm sure other writers will say when they have that idea for something that really excites you I think for me it's having an idea I was passionate about I love architecture and I mean I went down lots of Google rabbit holes about architecture of sanatoria and minimalist architecture and just the whole idea of the sanatorium just excited me in itself and I think when you get that it's then easy to want to sit down at your desk and write and I think that's my biggest thing now as an author you've got to find an idea that makes you want to sit down at your desk and I think that is the biggest hurdle really if it's something you're not excited by I can imagine it's it's a chore so that initial idea definitely it did kind of write itself but I think in terms of structuring the book I read lots about sort of structuring a thriller I think a thriller needs a certain sort of page turning power which perhaps other narratives don't so that's something I definitely kind of had to learn as I went along there were lots of bits cut lots of bits edited and then of course I got to sort of the stage where I met my editor in both the US and the UK and then there was lots more they cut as well so yeah it was still a huge learning curve. (laughs) And you were happy to take those edits and work with it and you just want to make it the best book that's what it sounds like from you lots to cut but doesn't get you down in any way yeah absolutely I mean it's it's the stage you're so excited kind of your book has been found by someone I think you kind of very much trust their judgment and I'll I'll be honest it is really hard at first when there's passages that they cut that you've worked on for a little while but it's funny those first few days as you probably know those first few days you're kind of when you reread perhaps that scene or that chapter and you look through and you miss those words. But what's interesting is I often find a month from then, you don't remember they were even in there. So yeah, it is kind of learning that lots of things can be excised from that manuscript without you missing it. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, 
So I want to go back to the retreat a little bit. You've touched on this a little bit, but we love origin stories on Pop Fiction Women because they give context and depth to character. Not to explain anything away, but we just, we love the complication of a backstory. And you supply backstories not only for your characters, but your settings. Tell us about your fascination with local history, whether that's real or imagined or somewhere in between um, the inspiration and why you include that, because it brings a whole other level to the story oh thank you so much yeah no I'm, I'm really just generally fascinated by kind of the natural landscape and sort of folklore and the history of the our area some of it's sort of really beautiful but yeah there's a lot of quite of dark past here one of the elements I bring in in the book first of all is just to talk about the island itself we have an island just off the co- I mean it's only a few miles off our co- coastline in the book it's much further out for like reasons of plots obviously um but yeah you kind of have this sort of fascinating topography where there's a rocky outcrop which looks like a bit like a thatcher thatching a roof and it's always fascinated me it's an island where you can't really go so I've played with that a little bit in the book but it's kind of yeah very dramatic it's somewhere people photograph and I really sort of want to incorporate that into the book but yeah looking around and the sort of local history here we have sort of quite a dark past just in terms of hauntings and history in terms of a local school which is very close by so there was a school for boys who were kind of what they described as sort of unruly behavior so no no other schools would take them on and there was sort of questionable discipline practices and things and I'm fascinated by the idea that something in history could have been acceptable once but now we look back Mm -hmm. on it and think we would never do that and I'm just amazed that so many people thought that was fine and I went dug into a lot of reddit threads and found some shocking things yeah and I just love weaving that sort of real life aspect into the book I just think it gives a richer sort of background to the novel absolutely and it is that complexity the both sides of it that makes it so interesting it's so beautiful and visually stunning and especially Mm. you build something beautiful and you have beautiful natural surroundings but then you realize the dark history behind it and you're like oh how am I supposed to feel about this? Like, I feel a little claustrophobic, which also is something I wanted to ask you about. I know that these are locked room mysteries and I know that Agatha Christie is one of your inspirations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she lived kind of just 10 minutes from where (laughs) I'm sitting now, um, which is amazing. And uh, uh, lots of her books are literally, she swam on the beach kind of two minutes that way. Um, So yeah, she set a lot of her books kind of here and Yeah, I mean, I can see why there's so much kind of rich inspiration, as I say, sort of in terms of of history. But yeah, I love what she did with books in terms of taking kind of those exotic settings and quite dramatic settings and weaving those into the sort of narrative themselves. Um, And I think the idea of a sort of locked room mystery brings such tension to characters. I think with Ellen, she has almost this internal claustrophobia, almost within herself, that's only amplified, obviously, when she's in a setting where she can't escape. And it's just really fun. I know that sounds awful to put your character under that much pressure. It's (laughs) Um, good. It's so fun to write. Mm. Yeah, it's it's exciting. And I think Agatha Christie does that. Oh, thank you. I think you wrote that for Adele in the sanatorium. I was just reading, rereading it again. I think you wrote that she had that feeling that she was trapped inside herself. Well, one thing we're fascinated with, and as I joke all the time, there's no good segue into this question, but we ask all our authors what their astrological sign is and whether they relate to it. But I know yours and I didn't even have to snoop that much because it is your birthday week or as you joked on social media, your extended birthday week. Um, So I know you're a (laughs) cancer because you just had your birthday. So happy birthday. 
So do Thank you, you very much. I see some signs of cancer, having written about family, which is very important to cancers, cancerians. Yeah. But I wanted to know if you relate to being a cancer or have any interest in astrology like we do. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't say I've got, I, I know no in depth. I mean, I've read sort of about the star signs. And I think one of the things about cancerians is they're home bodies. Yes. So while I love to travel, I really love the sanctuary of my home. Mm-hmm. And honestly, after like a day out and doing something, I can't wait to kind of pull on my pajamas and kind of be at home. And I think my daughter's a cancer and she's exactly the same. After school, she's just like, I want to be in the safe haven of my own home. Mm. And yeah, I think I really sort of relate to that aspect as well. And I think cancerians, are they water loving as well? Yes. Do they like kind of being... Yeah, so I'm definitely, I love being by the sea. And probably the mountains, does that count with snow? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What, what else What else do, do, you, do you know about Cancerians? Other than but that both our mothers are, are that, right? Corinne? My mother's birthday was <laughs> yeah. yesterday. And, and mine's is today. Day. Oh, happy birthday to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> but I think family, I actually have a lot of Cancer in my chart too. Uh, family is a huge one, home, body. Oh. Then also there's the idea of the crab and the hard shell that's protecting oh. the really soft insides. And Yes. Yeah. And they're emotion- they are very yeah, emotional, even though they can sometimes, yes, be on the exterior, maybe hard, or they're pinchers, but inside are, are very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's actually fascinating. <laughs> that actually is scarily accurate. Okay, <laughs> well, there you go. both of us. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that bit. <laughs> there are also a cardinal sign, which means that they are very good at starting things. They're like the one who get the momentum going and With turning ideas. things over. Yes, yeah. ideas. Mm-hmm. Very oh. prolific idea, uh, the cardinal mm-hmm. signs. Yeah, the, the celebrating your birthday yeah. for a week felt very Leo to me, though. That's me. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the end of the month and I but. <laughs> But I guess that any sign might, might like that. But <laughs> yes. Yeah, I really do. It kind of always works out. Like my husband might be away for my birthday. So we kind of say, shall we do something on the Saturday? Yeah. And then we might do something else on another day. So yeah, it kind of ends up being extended. I love it. But, yeah, <laughs> the coronation, we call it in my house. So it's at mm. least a week. So we also wanted to know what else you're really into right now. We love to talk about what everyone's passionate about. Books that you're reading, yeah. shows that you're watching, any trips that you've taken, anything that you'd like to share that you're really excited about. Yeah, I watched a really fascinating, something I'm kind of recommending to everyone at the moment. I think it's dropped off the Netflix chart for like a documentary I've just been obsessed by. It's called Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. And it's kind of a deep dive, I think, into the fundamentalist church of the Latter-day Saints. And yeah, just an absolutely gripping documentary. It's not something probably you guys maybe know more about, but it's not something here in the UK we know lots about. So I've been loving that. And then kind of on the lighter side, I'm a bit of a sort of Bravo TV fan. So um, yeah, I've been indoctrinating my husband in watching Below Decks, which is, which is good. Um, and but. <laughs> Books-wise, um, I'm really loving an author. Her debut came out kind of at the beginning of this year, and I've been reading her second novel. She's called Stacey Willingham, mm-hmm. A Flicker in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've read it, but just, yeah, absolutely loving that book. And then I have a sort of huge pile of proofs that I'm working through. I love thrillers that are kind of, probably just because that's the kind of book I like to write as well, that are sort of that very atmospheric setting. And in her book, that's kind of the swampy kind yes. of vibe of Louisiana, which here in the UK, we have nothing right. like it. And she captures that so, so well. And the book, I'm reading a book called Wake by Shelley Burr, which is um, set in the Australian sort of outback. And again, she's just conscious of the landscape so well, and I'm transported. I love books that sort of take me away from the UK and 
take me somewhere completely new. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, a lot of sort of murder mystery and thrillers at the moment. I love nonfiction too, but I haven't kind of found anything recently that sort of, yeah, captured me. Mm -hmm. That documentary, my husband watched it and he's been obsessed. He's been telling everybody to watch it. I don't, I didn't watch it with him, but he, he is equally over the holiday weekend. He was telling everyone to watch it. You let Ian watch something without you? This, this doesn't sound right. He watches, he watches a lot of more TV than I do. So he, he sifts it out for me and then we watch the really good stuff together. Mm. And the really good stuff includes Bravo, of course. He loves Below Deck. Yeah. He can't wait to. <laughs> he wants to go on a yacht just to have the Below Deck experience. <laughs> I know. That's Honestly, so... I said I think they could perhaps have a business. Go on. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't watch I any reality. Go oh, go ahead. We're like, we're like on a delay. I was just going to say I don't watch reality we're TV. But as Corinne knows, but. And so I was in St. Lucia with friends because they moved there for the winter and they were filming Below Deck and they have teenage (gasps) girls, but you don't need to be teenage girls. I mean, my friend was like you guys freaking out. They're at the table (laughs) next to us. I mean, I have, I was so upset for once, well, maybe not the only time, that I didn't watch reality TV because I I didn't know who these people were. I didn't even know what the show was. I, I had no idea, but it was very exciting for everybody else that was there. Yes, that's a big... Yeah, you couldn't share that moment. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's funny. During the pandemic, we watched... I think my brain was kind of a little bit sort of just panicked by the news. And I just, I genuinely love a lot of escapism TV, whether that's kind of documentary. I love a lot of kind of true crime stuff or just stuff that's sort of really relaxing. But yeah, the kind of, um, the, the documentary you mentioned that your husband likes as well, it's kind of one of those ones where afterwards you kind of do as much research as you can yourself online. Oh yeah. Because the topic, it was just, I couldn't believe it was something I didn't know about. And it obviously it had been happening for a while and I did a lot of research online and it's, yeah, you have Ooh. to watch it. <laughs> so is that incepting a new book? Do you think that's planting the seed for something you might write or is that just how you... Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. <laughs> actually, one thing I'm fascinated by, that's such a good question because actually, yeah, it has a little bit in book three because one of the things I'm fascinated about is, yeah, kind of the idea of how men in particular can kind of use power over women. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm using to explore in the next book. But what scared me in that one, it could be religion, it could be a workplace, it could be anything. In this case, it was kind of organized religion used to sort of, yeah, take control of women in a really insidious way. Um, and yeah, I find that terrifying. You just think throughout history, but it's still happening now. And I think even on social media, in a way, that kind of focus again on looks mm. um, and yeah, that objectifying of women, it kind of never goes away. We think we've made a, a step forwards and then it creeps back. So yeah, that's coming into book three. Oh, Ooh. I love nice. it. That's exciting. And I love to hear just there's more. You're just working. You're busy. You're staying busy. <laughs> Very Yeah, very busy. Too busy. I'm looking forward to a month off soon, but yeah. Well, that's exciting. Well, The Retreat is out now, so everyone should pick up their copy. If you loved The Sanatorium, this is... I loved The Retreat even more. And if you didn't read The Sanatorium, you can start with The Retreat and and go back. So thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Great chat. Thank you. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at 
Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.